0: It is April 9th, 1962. We are at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in Santa Monica, California. The first time we've been in Santa Monica for the Academy Awards. Uh, we are hosted tonight by the man himself, Bob Hope. It's his 13th time hosting the Oscars. Can you believe that? It seems like only yesterday he started. <laughs> and we are honoring the best films of 1961 at the 34th Annual Academy Awards. And it's time for the big award of the night, the envelope, please. And the winner is West Side Story, Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. End of movie. That's it. Uh, That is the entirety of West Side Story. I just just recounted it for you. The opening four bars to that song. That's all it is, <laughs> um no uh this is uh this is gonna be a fun year. I'm really excited um it is gonna be a fun year I will say i I feel like we might get into a couple of fights on this episode i having rewatched some of the movies from this year. I think I have some controversial opinions. <laughs> oh no.
1: Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. But I, I have like, to speak I my feel truth. Like you're,
0: you're gonna be pointing to the supporting categories and people you wish had won the awards. Am I correct in guessing that? You're you are correct. Yes, but, you okay okay, all right. Well um let's <laughs> just first of all discuss anything that doesn't have to do with those major awards. Um uh stanley kramer got the irving thalberg award we'll be talking more about stanley kramer in a little bit because he's up for some big awards uh tonight um let's see uh there was some there were a lot of great movies that came out in 1961 uh oh let's uh, oh the parent trap was nominated for best film editing boom boom, boom look at that what One of Rance's favorite movies look at that <laughs> um somehow not nominated for Best Original Song for Let's Get Together, but I mean, I guess I'll get over that. We'll make Um, our peace with that. (laughs) But the Best Original Song is probably one of the all-time great movie, film, not even just movie and film, but one of the great music standards of all time, uh, Moon River, uh, which uh, Henry Mancini wrote uh, with lyrics by Johnny Mercer and uh, was originally sang by Audrey Hepburn with her real voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And I will say it's probably the only good part of Breakfast at Tiffany's. LOLOL. Whoa! We'll talk more about that in Best Actress. I don't know if I'm on board with what you just said. I'm telling you, we're going to fight this episode. We're going to fight. Y'all have, y'all have thought, like, man, France and Sam have been so insipatico this entire series. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we um, really best- have been, though. Uh, this is another movie that we'll have another opportunity to talk about, but uh, best uh, screenplay for the screen was Splinter in the Grass, which is another great uh, Elia Kazan movie, if you haven't seen it. Um, and I think everything else we can pretty much cover in the main categories, so why don't we just uh, go after it? Should we dive in? Do you want to start with Supporting Actress? This one, I feel like this one's going to be nicer than Supporting Actor. Let's kick off with Supporting Actress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Faye Bainter, she is back for the Children's Hour. Uh, I really, really, I just go want ahead. to jump in here. I love the Children's Hour. Oh my god, me you haven't seen. too. And Faye Bainter plays um, the, uh, it, it, she's the mother or grandmother? Grandmother. The grandmother, excuse me, of, of the girl who accuses the... um of Shirley MacLaine and Audrey Hepburn of being lesbians, mm-hmm. basically, um, it's a very progressive story for 1961. It's a really compelling movie. Uh, James Garner is also in it. Um, the girl who, um, I, not I don't think she's the girl. Is she the girl who makes the accusations? One of the one of the little girls is played by um, the little sister from The Birds. Oh, uh, I'm not familiar Angela, with her name. Right. Yeah. Um, But uh, Faye Bainter does have a very nice supporting role as the grandmother. And I don't think it's a winning performance, but it, it's good that it's here. She does a good job. Yeah, that's I think... Probably uh, a more demanding performance than the one she won for, so... You probably. No, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, I was going to say, I feel like Faye Bainter's nomination is kind of the Academy honoring the children's hour in like the easiest way possible. You know, they didn't nominate Shirley or uh, Audrey Hepburn in the leading actress for their performances. I think because they're a bit more um, scandalous, if you will. Yeah. I think Faye Bainter is just the the easiest way they could recognize the film while not stepping on, you know, any conservative toes. (laughs) And who directed that movie? Uh, our main man. (laughs) Um, Mr. Willie Wyler himself yes, who's directing this is, yet this is, another great movie. Well, this is also the second time he's directed this story. He did the original one back in the 30s, too. Which, that one was changed to not yes. be a, a lesbian rumor taking somebody down, but yeah. a regular normal affair. Definitely. Uh, not that lesbian affairs aren't normal. That's not how I mean that. We're super gay, so don't worry about us. Um, Speaking of super gay, Judy Garland is also nominated. <laughs> <laughs> Was that terrible? Was that terrible? <laughs> um, yeah, Judy Garland um, gives another solid, dramatic performance in Judgment Nuremberg, but she's not in the movie a lot. Um, no, it's very, very small, but it is kind of the, the huge crux of the film. It's very impactful. It is. It is impactful, and she does have one of the great like uh breakdowns on the witness stand. Scene. Yes, it's so tragic and she's so good. She is really, really good. Um the the only thing um I, I probably would if not for what we'll talk about in a second, I probably would have her win this. But yeah. she's my runner up. But we'll um but Judy uh man, it's like how do you Judy probably. Uh, people think she should have won in 1954. I do think there's an argument there. I'm not. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. not opposed to Grace Kelly's win, though. So I know it's that one's tough. tricky. And I'm also not upset with who won in this category too. So I'm not sure how to get her an Oscar, but I she know. definitely deserves one. Listen, I stay awake at night just trying to figure out how to give Judy Garland an Oscar, and I haven't come up with a solution yet. Yeah, it's it's when people wonder what the gay agenda is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're really marching for in June. <laughs> well, you know the the Stonewall march happened the same day as or the Stonewall riots happened the same day as uh her uh funeral. Oh my gosh, that's right. I forget about that detail. Oh my yeah. god. Not saying that the same, Some people say they're connected, some people don't. I'm not saying they're connected. I'm just noting they happened on the same day. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, Let's move on. So next we have Lati Lenya in The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone. I don't know a thing about this movie, I must admit. Um, The only thing I know about it is that it's uh, Vivian Lee. Um, Oh, okay, sure. And I believe it's uh, Warren Beatty um, and Vivian Lee. Okay. It's like a May-December romance thing, and it's uh, from a novel by Tennessee Williams, so you can okay. it's a little bit by that. Um, And uh, I've heard mixed things about the movies, so... Okay. Um, oh, but I just looked at the cast list, and the cast list is interesting. Um, Bessie Love has a small role in it, and you might remember Bessie Love as the more likable and less annoying cast member and that is a great <laughs> way to explain that uh yes, all the way jill back saint from 1929
1: also,
0: yeah all the way back from 29 and then jill saint john is in it and jill saint john would later be um uh the next mrs robert wagner after natalie wood
1: uh-huh, and a
0: bond girl in diamonds are forever so there you go. That's all that I can tell you about Roman Spring and Mrs. Stone. All and right. Lottie, um, super happy that you got your nomination. Oh, she does play. Oh, this is another Bond connection. Lottie Limia, um also plays um, the the villain, the Bond villain in uh, from Russia with Love. And she is a really fun and sadistic character in that movie.
1: All uh, right
0: uh which I have seen. So um so I it, it's one of only a few movies she made. I, I her filmography has one, two, three, four, five feature films. Oh wow. Six six feature films, sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right, Lottie. <laughs> that's all we got. That's all we got. All right. All right. The next nominee is Una Merkel in Summer and Smoke. Uh Una Merkel is another person who has a long history in Hollywood, uh dating back to 42nd Street and before. Uh she is a very quirky American dame who was steadily employed all the way up until her uh retirement, I guess, in the late 60s, mm-hmm. her last uh movie being the Elvis film Spin Out. See? <laughs> Um, She also is in Parent Trap the same year as the maid. Verbenia is the name of the maid. Um, uh, But uh, yeah, she is always a funny delight in movies. Um, So I'm sure when she appeared in this um, smoky uh, uh, drama, they were like, oh, this is our chance. Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. An Oscar nom. Okay, so that's that. So that leads us to the winner. Yes, the winner for supporting actress goes to Rita Moreno in West Side Story. Now, I'm not going to fight you on this one. This is absolutely deserved. Nobody else is going to win this Oscar. This is Rita's through and through. This is... um, I think this is one of the great supporting performances. She is, I think, the standout performer in the film. Um, I think the movie largely is... uh, is an it's an ensemble piece and i don't think that any anybody in the movie stands out as much as the movie does itself if that makes any sense yes but i think if anybody in the film draws attention and walks away with every scene they're in it's her oh yeah she is absolute fire in every single scene Um, And I've uh, had the pleasure of seeing West Side Story on the stage a couple of times and also, of course, the film version. And Anita's character changes a little bit between the show. I should say what happens to Anita changes a little bit from the show to the movie. I like what they do in the movie. You know, I've always assumed that Anita gets raped when she goes down to the bar uh, near the end. And I think in the movie they make that uh, evident and very cleverly with, like, the way they kind of choreograph and almost – I don't know, like a scary kind of dance number in the bar down there. They do, uh, yeah. But terrifying. I think, yeah. But I think, in my opinion, it's very clear that they're gang raping her, and that's what's happening. And I think there's kind of a. Some people don't think that they just think she's getting kind of tossed around, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just playing to the darkness of it. What well, do you I think? definitely. I mean, it's definitely an attempted rape. Yeah. Um. But uh, the um. The last line she has, where she says, um, "You tell your friend that you know Chino shot her, mm-hmm. or whatever." Um, it is uh, heartbreaking because you you don't want her to say that because you know that Maria and Tony are are innocent for all practical purposes. Um, But you completely understand why she makes the decisions that she makes. Um, I also love the moment, this is very small, I love the moment when she comes home after she's clearly found out that Bernardo has been killed and she takes off her headscarf Mm -hmm. and she's just kind of like melancholy and she then goes to talk to Maria um and uh, maria's trying to shuffle tony out of her room before she opens the door and oh, there's this great music moment um where it it all builds up to maria opening the door and then and anita knows what's going on at that point and she just steps in the door and the music goes banana like that <laughs> yes and that's one of the great songs i think a boy like that will kill your brother oh and you know that is not her singing That's not her singing, yeah. She sings, um, in the other part. She sings in tonight, she sings in America, um, uh, America. Um, but for that, for whatever reason, the day that they recorded that, um, particular track, she had like a cold or something, and she couldn't do it. And so, um, and so somebody else, uh, I think her name's Betty Wand, sang. Her part, but then the the end the end of that song where they do that beautiful mm-hmm. um, harmony, yes, um, like those notes were not in the dubbers range, and so the person who dubbed Rita Moreno for that very last section of the song, when love comes, to that part, yes, um, was Mari Nixon. Who was also dubbing Natalie Woods So section of a boy like that, or um, uh, what's the second half of that song called? It's um, a boy like you, that slash. Yeah, like the I love uh, him song. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you're, yeah, that's that's I have a love. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that very last uh duet is actually just Marnie Nixon twice uh, well that's probably why it sounds so good it's <laughs> breathtakingly gorgeous <laughs> um but otherwise uh rita does her own dancing her own singing apparently jerome robbins didn't think that she could she could hoof it oh uh, my god <laughs> i know and how ridiculous and she she proved him very very wrong the dance of the gym with her uh she just looks like she's having so much fun yes and and that and america and oh yeah and she has such a great arc you know going from totally pro america to you know just jaded and bitter and oh yeah i could talk about this performance forever i'm just it's committed to film she was perfect for the part and she's wonderful absolutely oscar very well deserved uh, let's go over to the men. Supporting actor, we have a couple of nominations for The Hustler, George C. Scott and Jackie Gleason. Uh, personally, The Hustler is one of my um, lesser favorite Paul Newman movies. I don't know. I couldn't get into it. Have you seen it? Yes. I actually – I like it. Um, you like, okay. Um, I, I will say it was a slow burn. It, I didn't um, pick or launch much. it immediately, but I got into it as it went on. Of those two roles, I would say Jackie Gleason is the Mm -hmm. more compelling for me. Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that it's so against type. Very true. I would imagine most people who know Jackie Gleason know him as the comic head of the family and the honeymooners. Um, so, uh, this is a very different role for him. Yes. Um, but I'm not I'm don't I'm not married to anybody winning for this, so that's fine. Yeah, I agree. Uh next up we've got Peter Falk for Pocket Full of Miracles. I mean, uh, I don't know this movie, but go interesting ahead. Interesting to me. <laughs> um Pocket Full <laughs> sure. of Miracles. Um it's a remake of uh what's the movie called? Um, with uh, Betty Davis, right? Um the well Pocket Full of Miracles is the remake with Betty Davis, but the original um, has an actress named Mae Robeson. And it's called Lady for a Day. Lady for a Day, yes. I was yes. right there. Yep, gotcha. Also an Oscar nominee way, way background. Both of them directed by Frank Capra. And um and this one uh he decided to remake for whatever reason. He cast um Glenn Ford as the lead, and Peter Falk is in it. And honestly, like I barely remember Peter Falk in it, and I've seen the movie a couple of times. I think it's a weird. I mean, I'm sure he's great. It's just, it's just a weird nomination, yeah, uh, for a movie that is fine, but not like an Oscar nominee, but like so. unnecessary. Gotcha. So I'm not, I'm not into this one. Okay, fair enough. Okay, Talk let's about get into play. the. Yeah, we're gonna get into the final two because I think it kind of well for me. It comes down to these two. Montgomery Clift is nominated for Judgment at Nuremberg, and then George Shakiris wins for West Side Story. Um I don't know. After rewatching this movie a couple days ago, I have to admit George Shakiris doesn't do a lot in this movie. Am I wrong in saying that? He sings and he dances, it's fine, but from an acting perspective, there's nothing really great going on here. <laughs> well, I've 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 wondered about this too. I mean, I I've actually met George Kiris, I will say mm-hmm. he's a very nice guy. I've met him a couple times. I don't think he remembered me. He gave me his phone number once, Ooh. um, not like in a that kind of way. No, no, just no, no, no. The, like, the plot like, the plot thickens. Keep going. Just like in a oh yeah, let's let's uh like me and this other person, this other person. Let's all like get together and you know whatever. And then just, we didn't follow up. Um, sure, sure. But uh, he's a very nice guy. Um, and he does, a, he does a great job as Bernardo. I think the thing that confuses me about this is the supporting performance in West Side Story that stands out for me is Russ Tamblin as Riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'd say that would make more sense. But um, I guess... I, I think George Chikiris, uh, in part at least, kind of got wrapped up with the... You know, like, it's that when a movie does really well, and then a bunch of people get wrapped up with it. I think that that's part of what this is about. And it's not a win that I'm upset about. I think he does a good job in the movie. But, um, but I, I mean, I'm open to hearing arguments. Okay. So you can go ahead and say what you want to about, because I know Monty Clift is your boy. So <laughs> he is my boy, and... This is this really breaks my heart. I just honestly feel that his performance in Judgment at Nuremberg, while very short and small, it's only a few minutes on the screen, it is so impactful, and it's genius too. Because you know we're nearing the very end of Montgomery Cliff's life, where alcoholism has taken its toll on him. He's he can hardly remember anything. He's very shaky, but that all plays into the character uh, he is in this movie, who is. Someone who is a tad mentally challenged, um, is very, you know, d- uh, separate from reality. And they prove that when he's on the stand. And you just see him go from this kind of nervous, edgy character into just total um, – I don't even know. just He just falls totally off the cliff. You know what I mean? All in the span of like eight to ten minutes. He and falls I just... off the cliff did you say? Oh, I did not say that, but I wish I had. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's a brilliant use of an actor, you know, in the part of their life where he's at and kind of using that for the character he's portraying. I'm not saying that well, but you know what I mean? Where it's like who he was, what was happening to him in real life was mirroring the character he was playing in this film. And that marriage is so interesting on the screen. And I, I don't know. I just this is the last time we can give him an Oscar, and I just think he acts circles around George Shakiris in West Side Story in this movie. Like when Monty Cliff is on the screen, I can't take my eyes off of him in this movie. But when George Shakiris is on the screen, I'm usually looking at Rita Moreno, who's usually right next to him and doing a lot more. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my thought. I um I, I definitely think that Monty Cliff's career is more deserving of an Oscar um, on the whole. Cause I mean, obviously he did a lot more. I think George Chakiris is, does exactly what he needs to do with Bernardo. There's nothing outside the fact that he's not Puerto Rican. <laughs> sure. There's also that he's Greek. Um, but, uh, you know, taking that, um, when discussing West Side Story, you just kind of have to put that stuff aside. Um, to have a discussion about it mm-hmm. uh, because it it does indeed cast somebody who is Puerto Rican, Rita Moreno, and she does a, a great job in the movie, but you also have the issue that there are other main characters, uh, mainly just Bernardo and Maria who mm-hmm. are in brownface. Um, uh, you know, and that is uh, probably part of the reason that the movie is, uh being remade yeah. uh, in order to cast things um ethnically oh, correct. Yes. Um and George Sakiris' Oscar also has that asterisk on it in that he um is not the race that he's playing. Um uh interestingly, he played Riff on the London stage and then was cast as Bernardo in the Isn't film. that what does that tell you about Hollywood? Yikes. I know, right? <laughs> Um, it's really but at the okay, same well, time, the West Side Story is, uh, we'll get into the movie itself, and I think the reason why it's a great movie um, is it is, as all things in Hollywood are, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, the one step back happens with the fact that cast is correctly cast and half of it is not. Yeah. Um, I say half because there are other, uh, the incidental, uh, roles like Chino are cast appropriately. Yep. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's Maria and Bernardo that are the the standout, like, uh, hmm. Uh, which is where I think his supporting actor when probably dates the worst is just because of that little factoid. And with that in mind, um, looking backwards, it probably makes more sense to give it to Montgomery Clift Mm-hmm. But if we're talking honestly here, this Oscar win shouldn't even matter because Montgomery Cliff should already have an Oscar. That is very true, yes. But I want you to tell me, Rant, specifically pinpoint for me the moment West Side Story where you think George Shakiris won his Oscar. Because I think with Rita Morena, we were both able to pinpoint for both of us where her shining moments were. Tell me where George Shakiris' shining moments are in this movie. I think that the most popular number in the movie is America. But you really think that George Shakiris walks away as the highlight of that number? I don't necessarily. I definitely gravitate towards Rita Moreno. Hell yeah. Like a thousand I also percent. acknowledge that I'm a gay man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, <laughs> but also you're a gay man and George Shakiris is beautiful and he's dancing. So the fact that you're not drawn to him is kind of a problem. Well, I don't know if it's a problem. I just think that—I just think Rita Moreno just is that electrifying that you end up paying more attention to her. Yes. Um I don't think anybody else is doing anything they shouldn't be doing. He's he's doing a fine job dancing and singing. Um and that's just it, though. He's doing a fine job. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's not doing. I mean, like, I'm not. Go- I don't. I don't think I have anything <laughs> negative to say about his his actual performance. I okay. I think that I will contend though that he likely won in part because of a swell of goodwill toward um the movie mm-hmm. and and maybe toward the unit with Anita. Sure. Okay. I I mean, I can see that argument wanting to give both Anita and Bernardo, you know, matching supporting statutes. I can I can see that. And I agree with you. I think his win is a result of Academy members being swept up in the West Side Story train. I mean, it won 10 Oscars. So it it makes sense. I can see that. But I don't like it. (laughs) Well, okay, that is a controversial opinion. I will allow you to have. Fair, okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> let's uh, move on. <laughs> I'm really excited about uh, this Best Actress category because it's mm, it is juicy. Let's let's dive into it. Who do we have here? We've got. Okay, well, let's just start off. Audrey Hepburn, Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. I um, just personally can't stand this movie <laughs> from the horrible casting of mickey rooney to the uneven chemistry between the two leads i don't know i i don't i can okay from a style standpoint i see why it's iconic but from a just from like in a i don't know entertainment value i don't think it's entertaining i don't agree with you i think Hmm. i've seen it a couple of times Hmm. um i mickey rooney um you know we have we just talked about some issues that west side story might have with brownface, but but West Side Story, what what it does not do, not excusing brownface and saying this, but what it does not do is it does not demean a race right. in yes. inappropriate casting. The problem with Mickey Rooney's casting um, in in this movie is that he plays an offensive Asian stereotype. Yes, um, but the thing that's okay with me and what i wish i could do with this movie is just excise him out of it because he's completely inconsequential to the plot his scenes are disconnected from everything else that happens in the movie you could you could cut out every moment he is in and you and nothing in the movie would flow perfectly fine Mm um i'm actually so kind of surprised that they haven't done that with the amount of like you know, pushback that I've seen for this film and that role in particular when it comes to um, offensive casting choices. I'm just surprised they haven't, like, done, like, a re-release of the film with him cut out. You know what I mean? And this is, this is, this is probably the most offensive um, uh, casting of a. A person who is not a race as a different. Well, maybe I, I don't want to say that unilaterally because there may be something I'm not thinking about. But I think at least for Asian people, this would be right up there um, because <laughs> it is it is it is horribly offensive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, taking the movie as far as Bre- as far as Breakfast at Tiffany's goes, as far as Audrey Hepburn and George Papard, I think it's really sweet. I like the easy pace of it. Um, it's not one of my favorite movies of all time, but I do think that Audrey Hepburn does a very good job with a character that's actually not normal for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think that she usually uh she doesn't usually play people that are this aloof. You know that would be a good word for it, yes, <laughs> yes, and um, and she does it, it's interesting that this is what she's most known for because in a way, I think this is the least Audrey Hepburn part mm-hmm. um and and it is a stretch for her. um, so I disagree with you about uh, the movie as a whole. I totally agree with you about Mickey Rooney in the film
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but i I'm on board with her nomination, fair enough. Fair enough. Our next nominee, one of my favorite actresses, Piper Laurie in *The Hustler*. Um, I've talked about *The Hustler*. It's not one of my favorite movies. I will say she is particularly wonderful in the movie, though. But that's just me being in love with (laughs) complex, emotionally unavailable women. (laughs) She's 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 like the her relationship with Paul Newman is is my favorite part of the movie. Absolutely, she's Um, great. And I think this is a situation where the nomination is is the win here. Um, uh, She's going to have a supporting actress nomination later that we can talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, She'll have a couple, actually, we can talk about uh, in the 70s and the 80s. And I'm very you know, excited to get to those ones. I'm really not this huge. I'm not like a huge Twin Peaks fan or anything. But I will say Piper Laurie was also on Twin Peaks as were two of the main cast members from West Side Story. So 1961 is a... Whoa, 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 the whoa, whoa. That they that um, apparently uh, uh, Fincher... It's Fincher, right? Yeah, David... Nah, David yeah. No, David... No, no, no. Not it's Fincher, Miranda. the other one. Yep, it's... Uh, uh, hold on. Lynch, David Lynch. Lynch there we go. <laughs> Lynch, sorry. Oof, man, sorry. <laughs> David Lynch. Um, uh, not Fincher, like as soon as I said it, I was like that is not right nope. um <laughs> clearly, Lynch is a fan of nineteen sixty one because he cast some people on his show clearly uh from this year mm-hmm. um but uh anyway, yeah uh so we got Geraldine Page here yep Summer of smoke again, I feel like Geraldine page always gets nominated for any like you know Broadway show that gets adapted to a movie They always cast her, and she's always nominated, but she doesn't win. (laughs) She will eventually win, controversially. Correct, Um, yes. So we'll get to her trip to the Oscars Mm -hmm. later. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. So the final nominee before we get to the winner, the final nominee, Natalie Wood uh, in Splendor in the Grass, which you mentioned briefly. I actually haven't seen this movie, and I really do want to. I really want to. Okay. Okay. So um, I love Natalie Wood. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll go ahead and take this moment to talk a little bit about Natalie Wood in both of the movies she's in this year. Um, Splendor in the Grass is one of, it's probably her best performance. Um, there's another opportunity to give her an Oscar in a few years, um, which we can discuss that when we get to it. I think you would really like the mo- both of these films, both Splinter in the Grass and Love with the Proper Stranger. Right. But um, but she is so good in Splinter in the Grass. And she has this moment where she basically has a mental breakdown while she's taking a bath. Ooh. Um that is incredible. Um, this is... I mean, like, it's Ely Kazan. Um, it's Warren Beatty's first film. Uh, and they play star-crossed teenagers who um, are sexually repressed. And Natalie Wood doesn't want to give it up because she's a good girl, but she's from the wrong, wrong size of the tracks. And Warren Beatty's from a good family. And so it's unlike so they don't so she may not be the type that he would marry. So if she doesn't give it up, then she may never get a chance to marry. I mean, like there's like all these things going on and she ends up going to a mental institution. Anyway, um, it is so good. Um, Hell yeah. uh, But. uh, But Sophia Loren. Um, okay, one second. one second. One second. Nally Wood, obviously miscast in West Side Story because she is not Puerto Rican. Mm. I want to put that aside and just say really quickly that she does give a great monologue at the end of West Side Story. Yes. And when she she's does. pointing the gun at everybody, she does do a great job with her assignment, even though she. Should not have been cast in that role. It's 1961. They didn't even consider casting a person of um, Hispanic descent. In fact, Audrey Hepburn was in the conversation. Um, are we the surprised? Age? They uh, they they went with Natalie Wood, who is obviously first gen American. Her parents were Russian. Um, her name was actually Natasha. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so it's unfortunate that that happened, but she obviously is an extremely talented actress, um, and she had a year with two huge box office hits. Um, it would have made sense, uh, if she had won this year, uh, for the more demanding of those roles and the more appropriately cast of those roles. But Sophia Loren just happened to pull out probably her greatest performance, so, Oh, without a doubt. And Go in ahead. her native tongue, too. Uh, yeah, two women, um, an Italian film. She speaks in Italian this movie. And it's I think it's one of the great Italian World War II dramas, um, especially about just the people who uh, had to basically flee Rome once Rome became occupied. And it's the story of Sofia Loren and her daughter who traveled to the country to stay with family uh, while they're occupying Rome. The Nazis are... Uh, and then as they travel back, uh, they end up, well, she ends up getting raped and witnessing her daughter getting raped and the kind of, you know, the, the emotional trauma that happens because of that. It is a brutal film, incredibly like a brutal really experience. <laughs> oh my God. It, it's about an hour and 45 minutes of just sheer pain, um, And so it makes sense that Sophia Loren... Yeah, if Sophia Loren's going to win an Oscar, it has to be the first movie. Um, And, you know, at this point in time, Sophia Loren is this, you know, Italian actress who's just breathtakingly beautiful. So I think the fact that her acting chops can match her physical appearance, it just makes all the sense that she has this Oscar. I love it. I I totally agree with it. At this point, she had already been making american films for a while um
1: she
0: was she was famous on she was the most famous italian actress by far in the world uh might still be actually um honestly yeah uh because she is still with us as of this recording yes Uh, and uh she um she had starred in Mainly, like, lightweight stuff here in the States, though. She had been in, like, uh, Houseboat, which is a romantic comedy with uh, Cary Grant. Apparently she had a fling with Cary Grant. Mm. Um, You know, she had been in uh, material that was uh, fun, but not necessarily showing what she could do. So I could definitely see, not only is this a great performance, really... But she um, also uh, is primed here to uh, be, like, impressing people in a, oh, look what you can do kind of way. Definitely. And I think that's exactly what's happened here. I think, yeah, I think the United States, like, the U.S. just didn't really know what to do with Sophia Loren. Like you said, they kind of cast her in sort of lightweight material, kind of solely relying on her looks to sell a movie. Um, the great thing about her part in Two Women is She's also very sexual. She knows she's beautiful, and she uses that to kind of take advantage of uh, certain men so she can feed her family, essentially. But it goes one step further by also showing that she's not just a pretty face. There's depth there as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think this this movie definitely proved that she was more than just a gorgeous figure. She really has the acting chops to back it up. Which takes us to best actor. Yes, it does. Who do we have? For? We've got Charles Boyer and Fanny. He's back. <laughs> He's back, back, well, back again. I've unfortunately not seen Fanny <laughs> yeah, um, either. I know it's another uh, a movie with uh, Leslie Caron. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a it's drama, and that's 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 all I know. Um, that's it. But but I know Charles Boyer. Mm-hmm. Seen some stuff with him like him so um perfectly happy with him having an oscar nomination that's We're all I on board. absolutely yep <laughs> paul newman is back he later wins his oscar in the 80s for the sequel to this movie where he We're reprised this story. role yeah. <laughs> exactly so but it's just the role that he wins for but not the movie that he wins for exactly uh so i know it's kind of an iconic paul newman performance i don't know i i don't need it but the nomination makes sense yeah, no, I'm I'm totally on board with the nomination. Um, he doesn't have to win for this, uh, for me, um, but I do think he's really good in it. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I do like the movie. But um, uh, but uh, let's just let's move on. Let's talk. Let's sure. talk about. Uh, I, I don't know anything about Stuart Whitman. Nope, me and, either. I'm sure he's great. great. <laughs> so sorry Stuart we're not going to talk a lot about you we're going to talk instead about the double nomination for Judgment at Nuremberg Mm -hmm. yes we will Maximilian Schell and Spencer Tracy Uh, Spencer Tracy has the bigger performance bigger as I mean he's just has more screen time Um, but Maximilian Schell definitely has the meatier performance Um, I think he's absolutely riveting what about you Oh totally. Um, I I think of the two of them, I definitely go with Maximilian Schell out of this for this particular movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Spencer Tracy, um, to me is like kind of in the same vein that he was in *Inherit the Wind*. Um, oh, very similar performance. Yes, they're not. I mean, they're similar movies, honestly, in a Mm -hmm. way. Um, different topics, but I mean, it's the same director, same tone. Yep, I think. Um, and uh, I I. I'm okay with him not winning. He already has two Oscars. It's fine. Oh, yeah. uh, I and I personally prefer inherit the wind of those Spencer Tracy performances. Yes, so, I would agree um, with you there. Yes, where he's playing I also a judge. Feel like that, we're about yeah. that we give best actor and actress to two people who were born outside of the country. Ah, yes, because we are what amazing. <laughs> are we? <laughs> we try <laughs> to. Two people whose English is not their first language. Exactly, and, that's, and you see that in Judgment at Nuremberg. I mean, Maximilian Schell is speaking in German for like half of it. Uh, best actor and actress. I think this is this may be the the earliest winners that are still alive. Yeah, all four uh, of them, right? All four winners are still alive. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, oh, I love that. Um, as of this recording. Yeah. Uh, they're all in their 80s, so please knock on wood. Um, but uh thank you, Sam. Um but uh yeah, no, he 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 earned this. I'm I'm all I'm all about it. Definitely. I think he's the the obvious standout from a you know a huge cast of great actors in Judgment at Nuremberg. He is the obvious standout, and that's even with Montgomery Cliff being included. <laughs> um one thing i want to say i think it's interesting that again uh marlena dietrich gets a really great role in a dramatic film and again she's not nominated they just like don't like her when she's actually playing a german i feel like (laughs) i don't get it i (laughs) guess so she has a bigger part than than judy does too yeah way Um, bigger way way bigger and uh i would have I, I'm a little surprised she didn't get at least a supporting actress nomination out of that because she's really – I, I, I want to say this because we don't really have another chance to talk about her. Uh, Marlena Dietrich is one of the great screen goddesses of all time, but she is a very solid actress on top of that. Very, yes. She is very yes. skilled, definitely. Yes. Anyway, yeah. okay. Moving on. Moving on. That's correct. Director, this one's interesting to me because uh, Federico Fellini is nominated for La Dolce Vita, um, which I think is totally deserved. But what's crazy to me is that La Dolce Vita is not nominated for foreign language film. That yeah, doesn't make sense bizarre to me, um, and it doesn't get a best picture nomination, which you thought, which you think it might. I, I don't. Yeah. I wonder if people thought it was going to get the best picture nomination, so they didn't nominate it in foreign language like i don't know how this happened but well i know sometimes it should be in both yes i know uh maybe it was back in the 50s there was like a span of time where a movie a foreign language film would get nominated for best director one year and then either the following year when it would finally get like its united states release, then it would be nominated in the foreign language category so it would kind of span two competitive years a foreign language film would Mm-hmm. But that's not the case with, with La Dolce Vita. It's not nominated uh, in 1962 or in 1960. I'm not sure when its actual U.S. release was. Um, but yeah, no, it, but, I mean, it just if it, gets... it, Yeah, it, if it had been... It was released in 1960 and it competed in the 1960 Academy Awards. So clearly it made the qualifications. So I'm not sure... Yeah, it just seems very odd to me that it's left off of at least a foreign language movie, you know. But yet another Italian movie up for an Oscar, um, in addition to uh, what our girl Sofia won for. So indeed, indeed, yes, um, uh, hey. yes. Moving on, we have uh, Stanley Kramer back again for *Judgment at Nuremberg*. I think this nomination is obvious. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think this year it comes down to two movies, and so yes, it does. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Robert Rosen's here for The Hustler and Lee J. Thompson for The Guns of Navarone. Um, yeah, I don't think either really stood much of a chance. Maybe Robert Rosen, a small chance just because of all the love The Hustler did get in the nominations. But obviously it didn't get <laughs> – that didn't translate to awards. So Sure didn't. No, it definitely comes down to Judgment at Nuremberg. And then the pair of nominees for directing West Side Story, Robert Wise – and Jerome Robbins. Let's fold, in, uh, let's fold in Best Picture with this as well, Yes. because please. the producer is the same as one of the directors. Uh, Fanny was also nominated for Best Picture. We discussed our lack of knowledge of Fanny a second ago. Sorry, Josh Logan. Um, although Josh Logan is not only a producer, he is also a director who ends up having a very uh, prolific directing career. Um, so... Uh West Side Story was a was a big Broadway success mm-hmm. obviously. Um and so Jerome Robbins, who conceived so much of the stage play, um was brought on to direct the dancing scenes and Robert Wise was to direct the the um dramatic scenes. Yep. But um after completing the location work, the incredible location work that they did, in New York City, which included the opening prologue of the of the film, where they danced through the streets, um, and uh, some other numbers there, uh, Jerome Robbins was fired because he was making things run very over budget and over schedule. Yes. And his mark continued to be on the film because ultimately it was his... Um, dance assistants who were teaching the same choreography he had already put forward and the cast had been rehearsing with him for six months prior to shooting even starting so his imprint he definitely deserved his credit because he he's all over the movie um but the visual um meat of the movie uh and the uh the blocking and whatnot, you got to give all that to, to Robert Wise. Um, and I think that one of, I, I, I'm completely on board with this winning best director. Obviously I think one of the great feats of the movie is it's, um is it's movement is it's fluidity. And uh, the fact that, and there's so much artistically interesting and innovative things that happen throughout the movie. Uh, some things they do with the camera and editing that are um, sometimes a little uh, avant-garde, honestly. Like they, um, whenever Tony and Maria first see each other across the, I'm assuming you guys know what West Side Story is about, whenever Tony and Maria see each other at the dance at the gym, um, the entire middle section of the screen is blurred. So you just see them in focus on either side. And um, there's other interesting visual tricks that happen in the movie that make it kind of otherworldly, but um it uh it works. And the um and the location photography on the streets of New York is some of the most incredible shots ever. Oh so. yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous and I agree with everything that you said. Um my big problem with musicals of the 1950s for example is as i've stated before usually when the singing or the dancing starts it stops the story west side story is the complete opposite the story does not stop when a dance number comes on or a song comes on in fact it only helps the movie and propel it forward those are the kind of musicals that I am on board with when it enhances the story rather than pausing it. Well, um, even, the, even the small moments, like mm-hmm. um, the moments that aren't dancing, like uh, when the the song we talked about earlier between Anita and Maria, mm-hmm. um, the Tonight between Tony and Maria, all that stuff is progressing the plot for Exactly. And it's almost too like, you know, if you listen to the soundtrack of this movie, and you listen to just the musical numbers, you still get the whole story. You do. You know, it's and it amazingly is, coherent like that. And it's like, I mean, it's Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. You cannot undercut how good the soundtrack to this movie is. It's one of the great scores. It is. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Uh, and like I mentioned before, I love I love I feel like this movie has one of the greatest opening scenes of all time with the rival dancing between the two gangs, the two groups. And I just think it's a genius way to set up these two conflicting sides with a dance number. You know, they're not singing, they're just snapping and they're dancing at each other. It's genius, you know, especially knowing that this is The source material is derived from Romeo and Juliet, and you're taking the iconic opening scene of that where it's I bite my thumb at you, sir, and changing it to (laughs) I dance at you, sir. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's kind of a fun modern twist on uh, the Romeo and Juliet story, and I I think a lot of that is credit to Jerome Robbins and, you know, the original Broadway production as well. Um, You know, um, talking about that, those opening scenes, um, whenever I first moved to L.A., almost 10 years ago, um, I, uh, you know, those, those, anybody who's moved to LA probably knows this, you know, most of us who come out here don't really know a lot of people when we get here. And those first uh, couple months can be kind of hard because, uh, you don't know anybody. You feel like everybody has friends, but you, and, you know, and if you are me, you're 22 years old and, you know, um, and feel a little uh feel a little lost. Well, I had this connection with TCM because I had interned there and my uh former boss said, like, oh, just come and like uh do do standby for a screening, come watch something at the TCM Film Festival. And I finally dragged myself out after, you know, like I don't know, it was a weekend where I felt sorry for myself or something. And um I dragged myself out and I went to a pack screening I barely got into of uh West Side Story at the Egyptian. It was for the um uh the let's see, I guess it's uh 50th anniversary of the movie. They did this special screening at the festival. And um George Dekiris uh was there and um Marnie Nixon uh who did the vocal dubbing for Natalie Wood was there. And um the uh one of the other producers of the uh movie um uh the guy uh Walter Marish um of the Marish company who released the film um and he is uh he is actually let's see he's 98 now so he was um let's see 19 19- he was he was about ninety at the time, or a little a little under when I saw him, and so they did this incredibly engaging Q and A before the movie. Um, and I'm alone, you know, in the audience. Um, and then the the thing I love about this movie, and I've gone back to see it in a movie theater so many times. Anytime I've seen a screening pop up here in L.A., I go um, because you know the lights go out. And then it's silent. Mm-hmm. And then you just hear that whistle. Mm-hmm. And then the movie just starts with this image um for the overture. Uh that's this abstract uh rendering of what you realize later is the is the skyline of New York City. Mm-hmm. And You go through the the overture, which the overture itself is great because it goes through all of the big songs and they all sound beautiful. Um, And it gets you in the mood and you're just looking at this abstract image. And then it gets towards the end and it builds up to this um, crescendo. And then you realize you've been looking at the New York skyline and it fades into the New York skyline and it's just like oh my gosh i'm watching something important mm-hmm. i don't i don't know how to explain that moment but i get chills every time i see that overture into the opening scene that pans across all of new york city in 1961 zooms into this one area and that entire prologue for me there's it's a cinematic experience unlike anything else it just is huge it's overwhelming And then the way that it ends on this downbeat note um, where it says something so stark and so relevant about racism and how stupid it is and how we are all basically the same. Um, And then the movie knows that you need a second to process that. And so there's this incredibly engaging closing credits sequence by Saul Bass that (laughs) is um that the credits aren't till the end and um and you sit there and you stare at, if you go to see the movie you just stare at the credits and the first time i saw it with this audience at the egyptian i guess it was sold out so there were probably like 700 people there um couldn't do that now um <laughs> they uh they clapped after every musical number and whenever uh, any of the big stars would appear, Natalie Wood, George Chakiris, for the first time, they would clap at their appearance. Mm-hmm. And and then at the end credits, they, they applauded for all the big players. And it, it was just like theater. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And I've gone back again and again to relive that. So West Side Story is special to me. Mm. I love it. It made me... On a on a weekend where I felt friendless, it made, it reminded me why I loved L.A. and why I love Hollywood with this ode to New York City. Mm. Um,
1: <laughs> but it was True. filmed
0: here, and it still has to do with the movies. Um, it was filmed here except for those uh, location scenes, I mean. Um, so whatever you're about to say <laughs> in your argument for why you think Judgment at Nuremberg should have won, I just want you to think of that. Think about how special this movie is for me.
1: <laughs> oh no! <laughs>
0: um, first of all, that's very very sweet. I love that. Yes, I love that for you. I love that journey for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, <laughs> so here's the deal. <laughs> here's here's the deal. Okay, I love West Side Story, and okay, you know what? I don't. I agree that it should win best picture. I Okay, okay. I'm okay with that. That's not okay. my controversial statement. Um actually I don't know if this is very controversial at all. I just want to hear your thoughts on the actor who plays Tony in this movie. Um personally, I think he is so embarrassingly bad that it's a it's a pretty big smear on the film. I don't know, do you hate him as much as I hate him? I think he's awful. I don't know. I, I'm like so attracted to him. I don't notice. Really? Um, I yeah. Guess, no. I I'm think not he's even super a... cute. I love. Oh. I love his boyishness. Um, That's
1: so surprising I mean, like, to me. Because maybe I there's feel a better like he... person to
0: play that part. I don't know, but I like him. That, that surprises me because first of all, I think he looks like he's 35, <laughs> and and I don't know. I don't. I think he. Uh, well, you know, Natalie was agreed with you, so... Oh, did she didn't like him either? She didn't like him. They didn't get along. Ugh, that makes tons of sense, because their chemistry is so forced and awful. It's awful! And, like, this is... I don't, know, you know, what I, she I don't gets. know. I buy they it. They have to love each other. You buy it? Okay, well... I buy it. Well, I do okay. I think he's sweet. <laughs> I don't know. I think he has one note in this movie, and it's so bad and also i don't think his. does he do his own singing i don't know if he does or not he doesn't do his own singing he doesn't Someone sang for him yeah i mean but someone sang for natalie wood it's and that's that's fine that's, that's not the issue i also have problems with his singing too i think his singing is kind of terrible in some parts as well <laughs> all in all i just find him to be so annoying um and maybe it's just because I've played Romeo before on stage. So oh, I oh, partial oh, to that oh, role. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you played Romeo. I, I didn't know you're, you're an Oh my God. That's why. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little partial to the role. I'm a little protective of the role. I don't know. I don't think he's very good at all. I think he's terrible. Um, I, I just noticed that when I watched it. Because I hadn't, I hadn't watched it in a couple of years, but I watched it again a couple nights ago, as I said earlier. And, oh, my God, I just found him completely unwatchable. He's so bad. It's so funny. I think the movie, for me, it's like it's saying something so much bigger than what it is that I, there's no individual performance that bothers me one way or the other, I think, in the movie. Mm, okay. I see that. I don't know. I And there's also – there are performances I really like – I love the guy who plays Doc in the movie. Me too. He's great. I love um, I love most of the Jets, actually. I love um, Action, the guy yes. who plays, the one who, who sings Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's super good. Actually, can I just mention, I think Cool may be my favorite number in the movie. That is a really good number. I agree with you as well. You know why it's good? Because Tony's not in it. <laughs> Tony doesn't dance in the movie. I don't know if you know. Yeah, this. for a reason. He doesn't do anything. He's so annoying. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I mean, Iley dances. They do a little dance in uh, the gym, but um, right. th- he doesn't bother me. I don't know. Um, I I just think it's like two. They're supposed to be like two, you know, star-crossed lovers. There's, there's not a lot to do there. <laughs> he does well, and he does a great job when he when he's dead at the end, yeah, it's my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> no okay i I enjoy like eighty percent of this movie. It's just that twenty percent I'm just like it's almost enough for me to kind of totally abandon all faith in this movie, but it's not i the, the people who work in this film and the singing and the dancing that all is beautiful, so. It's fine. I just wanted to hear your opinion on Tony. I had to know because I I was really surprised by how bothered I was by him. I just needed to hear your opinion. So now I know. You don't care. Um, <laughs> You're well, fine you with terrible acting. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. I The thing is, it's it's <laughs> more like I I have a huge blind spot on all things West Side stories. So okay. it's I, it's very hard for me to critique anything about it because I I love it so much. Sure. I see that. Okay, Uh I I can see that. Um, I understand. Yes, West Side Story, deserving of many of its Oscars. Maybe not all ten, but several of them. Yes. And this does. Um, this is not a record though, because last year we had something. Two years ago we had something win eleven. Um, so ten is the most ever for a musical. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like that West Side Story is the biggest musical winner. I think that is I'm okay. Is that or Gigi? Are you happy it has more Oscars than Gigi? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, that I will side with. Yes, this is way better than Gigi. <laughs> I don't know. You had a strange thing for Gigi, so... Yes, I, that was also shocking to me how much So would I, you rather Judgment at Nuremberg? Do you think Judgment at Nuremberg is a better movie? What's your thought there? Than West Side Story? hmm No, I think West Side Story is a better movie. Judgment of Nuremberg has a timing problem for me. It's a little too long. (laughs) Um, And I think they kind of... It's a very important film, I will say, dealing with the Nazi brutalities in the aftermath of the war crimes. Um, But I think, as with a lot of Stanley Kramer films in general, I just think it plods on a bit too long, and it kind of smacks the point across your head just a few too many times to where it's like, no, we got this about 30 minutes ago. You could have wrapped this up (laughs) some time ago. Let's take a look at what we're going to get into next uh, week. We're moving on to 1962. The winner is Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. You are correct. I am correct. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia is actually, if you uh, watch Lawrence of Arabia, that's exactly the time it takes to watch The Apartment. Uh, West Side Story and Tom Jones. <laughs> Good gracious. Yeah, no, it's, it's a long movie. It's a long it's, movie. It is a lengthy, lengthy film. Um, I but have never is. seen it in its entirety. Have you seen it in its entirety? I have. Um, Nail. I have seen it in its entirety. Uh, can we also mention uh, we're going to be dealing with a movie, only the third movie so far that we have seen that is in the AFI top 10. Uh Lawrence Frabia is um in the of Best Picture winners is sure. the third that is in the AFI top 10. There are other Best Picture excuse me, Best Picture winners that are in the AFI AFI top 10. Mm-hmm. Um we've already discussed the AFI number 1, it did not win Best Picture. Um but uh this is the third winner of the Academy Awards next year that is also in the top 10 films by the AFI. So. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm very excited to watch it. I'm going to dedicate an entire day to it. <laughs> <That's> how long <laughs> it'll take. To. <laughs> you, know who you, uh, you know who you get in the movie? This is this will make you excited. I think I know exactly who you're going to talk about. <laughs> we are going to get Omar Sharif. Oh, oh no. I was going to say Claude Rains. But oh, yeah. LOL, LOL. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Omar Sharif is so dreamy. He's so dreamy. <laughs> Yes, he is. Looking forward to it. So we'll be with you guys again next week talking about Lawrence of Arabia.